Welcome everyone to the Carry On Cast. This is the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church. You get to hear the pastors talking about the upcoming preaching text. It is so good to be with you today. Hey, I'm Pastor Megan and I'm here with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Eric. Hey guys. Hello. How's everybody doing? Doing well. Yes, Yes. we are doing. It is a thing. (laughs) That's right. Remember that sometimes just being there is the hardest part. Yay! Amen. <laughs> it's fresh outside. Oh yeah. It's it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's something. It's very I autumnal. Not ready. The I'm seasons ready. are changing. <laughs> no, no. I think I would have been more no. ready for it if it hadn't gone from like 95 to 45. Seriously. And maybe, was it what, 36 hours potentially? Yeah. That was um, that was a hard transition. Uh, but I'm here now. I got my sweaters out. I'm ready. Right. You know? <laughs> it, yeah. At least we know it's time to change out our wardrobes. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about all of you, but my entryway still has sandals and galoshes <laughs> and uh, exactly. soccer shoes. And uh, we'll add snow boots to it soon enough uh, i can't even think about it um boy oh boy pastor kevin are we looking forward to welcoming you welcoming you back to your first full and official minnesota winter let's do this <laughs> you kind of got a little extra winter when you showed up but yes that, that wasn't true. That was not as it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh my goodness, friends, we are continuing to read through the Old Testament. And can I just say, I love having an opportunity to hear these Old Testament stories that we don't always get to zero in on. I think it gives us so much background, so much um, perspective on what's going on, uh, helps us put all these stories into some kind of timeline as we are eventually pointed towards the story of the Gospels, the story of Jesus. So, I'm I'm into this. I'm ready for this, um, Pastor it's Eric. Good refresher. It's a yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Who are we? Who are we talking about today? Well, today we're finally to David. What? But yeah, we're just gonna jump right into David, though. We uh, older David. Mm, we're yeah. gonna jump over some of the fun, you know, David and Goliath, and that's right, the shepherd boy, and things like that. Yeah, those are. I mean, when you think about the Sunday school stories that you know, you know, maybe if you had those felt board stories from the church basement back in the day, uh, David and Goliath is a big one, y'all. This is the same David. Mm. So this is the same David. Yeah. Yeah, right. or maybe you know of the David who uh, plays a harp and writes songs, and to whom is attributed much of the Psalms. Yes. Same David. Yes. Same David. Um, the David that Jesus is referred to as the son of David. Mm-hmm. That's this David. Mm-hmm. Very important uh, character. Uh, one of the commentators I was reading, I loved, called him the patron saint of underdogs. <gasps> Oh. And I like that because I mean, you know, from even from his uh, being first chosen, he's the youngest and the least likely. And uh, apparently, I was refreshing my memory. Even um, even his own father didn't um, sort of parade him in front of uh, Samuel. Uh, he was out tending sheep, and and Samuel said, "Well, isn't is this all of them? Is this all your sons?" Well, no, actually, uh, there's my youngest son. So he's the patron saint of underdogs. I love he it. He goes from that to being king. To being king, yeah. And the underdog too gets played out in the whole David and Goliath story, right? That this this kind of shrimpy little boy up against this big strong person mm-hmm. who is ultimately victorious. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. And that we and what what story do we land on here? Um, but David being not at all an underdog by this point. There right. is a, a, a serious amount of superiority that has uh, arrived at this point. Um, last week we were with Ruth. Uh, wh- how, how do we get from Ruth to David? 
Does does anyone want to take a take a pass at that? <laughs> These are kind of foggy memories uh, for me. <laughs> we are. Let us admit that we are in the parts of the Bible that people don't tend to like joyfully sit and read because it is heavy. It is history laden. There are big names. Um, I think the short version is we started the book of Ruth talking about in the time of the judges, right? Mm -hmm. That was the time when God's people didn't really have eh, formal governments. The tribes were kind of doing their own thing. The judges were kind of the decision makers, sort of the the figureheads in a lot of way. Eventually, God's people look around them and go, hey, everybody else has got a, a king. We want a king. And God says, that is very silly. You don't want that. And they said it enough that God was like, okay, fine. God gives them Saul, who turns out to be a bust. <laughs> and as Saul's star is waning, that is when David's star begins to rise. Mm -hmm. And um, and then that gets us to David. Simultaneously, kind of two kings. Right. Yeah. It was a weird. It was a weird time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and David and, even more weird um, served Saul. He was kind of. I don't know. He was Saul's music uh, head of music. Maybe you could say played him the harp. To Saul had a temper and um, and maybe some other issues going on too. Mm -hmm. And so David was able to kind of comfort him and soothe him. And um, so here David was like waiting in the wings the whole time, and nobody knew. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of politics, a lot of mm -hmm. intrigue, a lot right. of stories of battles and and uh, front lines. And it's a there's a reason I think that people don't tend to just kind of sit and do their devotional reading out of these books. Right. They're, they're heavy. <laughs> right. That's really, a good point. Really chewy stuff. <laughs> I think it's also maybe important to just mention um, in my limited understanding, but I uh, there was division too, that there were almost kind of two kingdoms still. And right as you mentioned, Saul's star was waning and David's star was just sort of rising. Um, and then so that's one of the important things about David is he ends up uniting the entire um, kingdom too. Yeah, you'll hear the north and the south. The north and the south yeah. kingdom, right? Yeah, you'll hear about the northern kingdom, which which is Israel, and then you'll hear about the northern king, uh, southern kingdom, sorry, which is Judah. Um, and so you'll hear about that in the reading today too. It's this reminder that you know they they used to be these disparate tribes, and they've slowly been coming together more and more, um, gaining some political might along the way too. You know, they're no longer these kind of amorphous groups of people. They're they're really consolidating uh, their power and their population. Um, so it is It is this real high point for the people. This is what they're going to look back on. This is they're going to they're going to say this is when we had the power. This is when we had the influence. This is when we probably mm -hmm. had our best king mm -hmm. because spoiler alert, the kings really go downhill from here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're constantly looking back to this. Yeah. This waiting is, for a Messiah. Waiting for a Messiah. Someone who could pick up the reins yeah. of David and the time when he united the people and centralized worship and as we're, as we're about to hear, literally brought God's presence into their midst. Like, ah, weren't those the best times? And so there's there's this longing for that, uh, for that era again. Mm -hmm. It's so striking because um, 
two things that just came to mind. One was that when we talk about history, right, like where this feels like the history of the Israelite people, the, the point is not that it's history in the way that we understand it today or teach history. It's more that the history itself is, is a theological history, meaning that's a faith history that's pointing to something bigger, which our whole series for this entire fall is called Together for Good, which is all about helping us, and I put myself in that camp, um, and seeing that God desires relationship and that covenant relationship, that faithfulness between God and God's people is on display through all of these stories, right? Yeah. And so this is another example of it. The other thing that just really struck me is um, was you could take up the same story of divided people longing for trying to figure out how to make sense of stuff and you could put it into any of the New Testament churches. Mm-hmm. So it's like Corinthians or Ephesians or something where there's basically a big separation between peoples, whether it's the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom or in the New Testament, it would be between the Gentiles and the Jews who were first faithful to for, to Jesus. And so it's like, how do we bring two very disparate groups together and find a way to do that? And here is God kind of like testing. <laughs> like, yeah. is this gonna is this gonna bring the peoples together? Let's do and they said they wanted a king, so let's try that. And here well, you'll see what gets unleashed by this, right? I mean, is that kind of yeah, yeah definitely. And some things never change. Mm. Ah, there. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Yeah. No, there's I, always yes. groups uh exact division. And so. it's it, to think of it as a theological history I think is, is yeah, so valuable because awesome then you're not going all right, you know, mm-hmm. is it like like okay, I don't want to impose on anyone, but like someone might be sitting in their history class going, why do I need to learn all these dates? Why do I need to learn all these characters? Like what does it matter those things happened? Mm-hmm. It, the whole point is mm-hmm. what it means for us for who we are, what God has done in the past, what we can expect God to do in the future, mm-hmm. uh, and what it reveals about like you guys were saying, what it reveals about us as humans Mm -hmm. you know how it just kind of makes us look in the mirror more than we are usually comfortable with doing yes um with that yeah hey we're reading from two chunks of second samuel today uh reading a little bit of chapter five and a little bit of chapter six yes uh do you want to get us started with uh, chapter five here, Pastor Kevin? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't have the NRSV right in front of me. Oh, oh, oh. So. Yeah, here. Do you, do you want to use mine? Sure. Thank this you. Is, this is the behind the scenes, other, folks. No, exactly. <laughs> I, have the, I have this amazing commentary by yes. this rabbi that I read, but he writes his own translation that's sometimes uh, a little bit more interesting than it needs to be. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> so chapter five, we're picking up here in second. Samuel. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David, there he is, at Hebron, and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be my shepherd of my people Israel, and you who shall be ruler over Israel. So the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began his reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. Okay. That's a good that's, that's a good long hearty reign. Mm-hmm. So this is the political side of it, right? Yes. This is the people coming together and saying, "Hey, yeah, we recognize that in you uh, we have this leader. We realize that God's with you. We want to be with you too. We want you for our king." It's an interesting um 
almost an election, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's, it's kind of not supposed to be. It's, it's I don't think that's how kings are supposed to work, but mm-hmm. um, but it is. It's the people sort of by unanimous decree there, mm-hmm. right? That the, mm-hmm. so that's the political side of it. We yep. have the 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 nation uh, choosing its leader, mm-hmm. um, but now we move into sort of the religious side of it. What does that mean for them as as believers? Mm-hmm. And that takes us to the top of chapter six. Yep, chapter six, verses one through five. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, thirty. Thousand, David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is also called by the name of the Lord of hosts who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, uh, which is uh, was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the Ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the Ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And this is the word of the Lord. Ah, thanks be to God. You can't see us in the background. We may or may not be dancing. Our arms, <laughs> we might have put our hands in the air like we just don't care. There it is. Um, so, okay. So this is. Chair dancing. The chair dancing. It's best. <laughs> It's the only kind of dancing you should trust me with. I'm gonna be honest. Um, so we have the we have the religious side of things here. Um, so so help us understand uh, what the heck just happened. Well, so uh, I do believe that uh, this. <laughs> no one looked at each other. Um, I I believe that uh, the significance is um, that you know, Ark being the physical presence of God, and mm-hmm. that what um, David was leading here was um, God being brought into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, David had chosen Jerusalem as the city where he would reign and then by bringing the ark to the city he's bringing you know all of that religious history and god's presence god's self into jerusalem making it the holy city yeah exactly. yeah david's like, establishing jerusalem yeah. on many different levels so it's not just a political unification it is like a, a religious centralization and as it's well not an indiana jones <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yet sorry, it I'm yet it rest. it is it could be. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but truly, to be able to say that God's presence actually has an address, right? It has a location, and that's really important, especially as as people who believe in Jesus, that we see that His presence is also deeply connected to what what's going on in Jerusalem too. So again, David is trying to make this important say of, of show of unity, right? We're bringing people together. We're bringing together the most important artifacts or or um, things that represent our faith and our trust in God and the God who makes a covenant with God's people. And so we want to make this place um, the place where God's presence is. And and that place is a place of joy, which is where so much of this kind of unfolds from there, right? I mean, that's where you get this incredible scene of dancing mm-hmm. and and, and uh, worshiping God there. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I do want people to know um, when we say, oh, it's God's presence, we don't mean that in like a theoretical, like, oh, it's a reminder. Mm-hmm. It, in this time, in this season of the life of God's people, um, this is this is the literal, actual, physical presence of God. This is where God is truly and deeply located. Um, this is why as, as faith practices evolve, 
there were many things for which you needed to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and appear at the temple, which it should be noted does not yet exist. Mm -hmm. The ark is in Jerusalem, but the temple's not there to house it just yet. Um, people knew they had to show up and, and make themselves physically present in the place where they could physically find God, right? So that's, this is a, this is a super duper, <laughs> this is a super duper big deal. Um, but let's go back to that joy part. I like that joy part. Mm -hmm. That dancing. Whoo. Right. Dancing. Um, here comes all those instruments again. Yes. We've yes. heard, we've talked about in the last several weeks. Can I just say, I was at a, um, I was at an ordination recently and uh, the, the moment after the ordinand received her stole, stole, right? So she had just gotten the stole around her shoulders and turned out and faced the congregation. Um, the congregation went just completely wild, like just exuberant cheers. And the the now newly pastor herself literally raised her arms in the air and started dancing, like right there, like right in front of the bishop. Yeah. Um, wow. And in my heart, I was like, yeah, yep. this is this is what worship is. This is what mm -hmm. it should be. This like deep joy in what it is that God has done among us. And in that case, yes, it was the calling of a new pastor, but um, come on, why can't that be every Sunday? Mm -hmm. Not the calling of a new pastor every Sunday, but the, the right, joy, the joy in what God is up to among us every Sunday. Uh, bubbling over of joy. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a real invitation there. There's there's something to celebrate here truly in the context of the story, right? God has done some incredible things, worked through David, brought the people together. Um but it's worth celebrating and it's worth mm -hmm. worshiping. And how many people have we say? It's chosen uh, 30,000 people? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole city. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and keep in mind that when they're counting the men, they're not counting any women and children who are probably in the mix too. So it is mm -hmm. like, that's, you that's mean, a that's a lot. That's a lot of people. And it's, what joy? Like, what mm -hmm. celebration? Um, what does that make you guys think about when it comes to worship and what it means well at this point like the twins are still in the hunt yes imagine right that that could be thirty thousand people at target field you know all celebrating all being joyful i mean there it's funny like i <laughs> i don't know about you but i've been to sporting events where i see like real joy coming mm -hmm. out of people mm -hmm. you know whether it's cheering on their favorite professional sports team or whatever but that that that's very palpable you know and mm -hmm. it's like people you don't know giving you high fives and like hugs and uh, you're like okay like <laughs> <laughs> that's but at some level yeah. that's the truth right i mean right. there's some sort of inexpressible joy that comes out of that and at some level we want to say why doesn't that also happen at church mm. why don't we also express that same kind of thing because it is joyful to come together it is joyful to see people that we haven't seen in the last week or month or year or whatever um you know folks uh you know coming back from surgery coming back from some sort of you know challenging experience but to walk back into worship together at uh, at our campuses and say hey you know the joy of the lord is in this place to be able to name that is mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. it's huge it's i mean it's part of the 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 things that i really love about our worship space is how we have those those playgrounds right where we have those kids there for me that noise like that just you know kids being kids laughing yeah. and running and screaming and getting into trouble and throwing stuff safely obviously no one getting hurt safely. of course um but that that vibe Right, that that whole community of people all being exactly who God made them to be, any amount of, of noise, any what like 
that's how it should be. To mm. me, that that is that joyful act of worship, that true coming together, right? No matter what we've been through, no matter what our age is. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that worship can't also sometimes be, you know, pensive and solemn, but I'm saying, like, look here, here, right here in worship, mm-hmm. like, gosh, David is showing us that, that we get to praise God even with exuberance and with joy and maybe even like a little goofiness, like, why not? Just honest joy and goofiness. And yeah, goofiness in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to realize that the response, it you know, there's no response from God that says this is not welcome. Right. Joy is welcome in God's presence, and I think that's a huge thing. It's a great reminder that that's where the Psalms come from too, right? That David wrote songs to be able to help us express that joy, and that's what shoot that's what jesus prayed (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which uh, earnestly is like just the way that this points ultimately right the psalms playing such a big role in our worship and then getting you know the story further around you want to talk spoiler alert when we talk about jesus he gets referred to as son of david right Mm -hmm. that's language that gets used around him that's pointing back to this story this reminder of that time of greatness in the history of god's people this time when god was palpably present among them when they had so much to celebrate and be joyful about um um, selfishly when they had a little bit of political clout to them too. But this this idea that, you know, we know that God can do those things. And in Jesus, we see that possibility mm-hmm. again. And of course, we know it goes a little different direction than the people expected, um, but no less glory, no less joy, no less promise. Um, so hold on to that, folks, because uh, maybe the mailings in your mail have told you, but Christmas is coming, so you're going to hear <laughs> that story soon enough. <laughs> for now, we're going to keep working our way through the Old Testament. Thanks for joining us, folks. It's good to be here with you on the Carry On Cast, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Thanks, everyone. Upon your